This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome back to the Sky Blues Extra podcast in association with the Sky Blue Tavern and Dylan's Brewery. My name is Dean Atkinson and I know a lot of people have been asking, where's Ross? We haven't heard from Ross in a long time. Well, unfortunately he's not here tonight either, but I have managed to find his namesake <laughs> in the form of Ross Spence, who's making his second appearance on the pod this season. Ross, welcome along. How are you? Cheers, Dean. Yeah, all good, mate. Like I just said to you off the uh, off the air, then it was a bit of a mad World Cup. It reminded me of yesterday's shenanigans a little bit. But yeah, nice to uh, nice to sit down and watch a bit of football that's away from Coven England and actually sort of enjoy that as a spectacle and finish it off with with Messi winning the trophy. So yeah, all good, mate. And something of high quality as well, which is yeah, there was some sort of there was a real unbelievably. You could just you, I mean we watched decent standard at Championship level, but you can just see the quality and it's just in those key moments of the game. I think it was yeah. Mbappe's Mbappe's second goal was just unreal. Yeah. Like, it was the header for me. It was, like, yeah, it was the, it was the actual off the play that yeah. made it even better than what it was. And I said any other player in that position would have controlled that and then hit it. But he's that confident he can just hit that on the half volley and it will yeah. just go in. And you knew as soon as the kickoff went after the penalty, I said the whole momentum of this has just shifted. I said and it literally reminded me of less than 24 hours ago when we were watching Cobb and we conceded the first goal and we're, it was 3-1. It was literally vice versa to that. You could just yeah. see the momentum change in the whole ground and in the players. And it was, a, it was a really good game. But I'm glad, like I said to you, that Messi ended up winning it in the end, mate, for my personal preference. And who knows, in a, a few years' time, we might be signing Kylian Mbappe if the Kings take over finally gets gratified. <laughs> I think, I'm not I think sure he has the cash, though. Maybe not. I think we'd need, uh, I think we'd need Doug King, William Story and Mark Ashley to be able to afford him, mate. Not just and one some of them. And some, uh, <laughs> some others as well. Might need to yeah. start the old buckets outside the CBS soon enough to... <laughs> To afford that Christmas buckets, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, any leftover gift cards, maybe we can trade them in over Christmas for yeah. Kylian Mbappe. But 
as you alluded to yesterday was a I don't know I don't even know where to start really it was um just a weird game wasn't it it was it was like Swansea had all the ball we took all our chances and then it flipped it just completely and utterly flipped on its you know on its head yeah. really yeah, I mean, I said I went up with my dad yesterday, as I said to you again off air, and um, I was in block twenty three, and I said to him before the game, I said, I said you're going to see a really good championship player today, dad, and I'm not actually talking about Cov, I'm talking about Matt Grimes for Swansea. Yeah. I've watched him a lot of times. I said if we could seriously put money at someone like him, I'd have him in our midfield any day of the week because he was literally dropping in as a six and playing as like a third centre half, picking the ball up, and we just couldn't get near him for the whole game, and then he was allowing their players to get in behind Sheep and Hamer and you could tell it was causing us real problems but then on the same token when we actually won the ball back we were a problem for them and you could tell that Jokerez was causing them problems O'Hare I thought Jack Burrows was really good on the right as well he looked really yeah. energetic and was, was up and down um, and even Bidwell in the first half I mean he didn't have a great game but he was still getting in and, in and about and we looked weirdly comfortable if that's the right way to put it we were not much of the ball but we had all of the chances in the first half yeah. and then obviously finally Panzo scored a header I think every Cobb fan in the world's been waiting for <laughs> what I've seen on Twitter Skybet taking an absolute hammering yeah, since I think since his uh, since his pre-season shenanigans where he was heading all the time, we all expected him to get quite a few. And yeah. he's, I mean, I've been at games where he's at the bar a good couple of times. So I think he's he was due a goal, and it was a really good header. But we should have scored before that. Yeah. To be honest with you, and yeah, then, we had chances, didn't we? Yeah, and then we we took a deserved lead at the break. I mean, like I said, they had a lot of the ball, but I think they had probably about one or two chances. I think they had one. I remember Piro actually scored against us last year for Swansea, and it was a very very similar position to where he scored where it just dropped to him and he hit it first time and it dropped to him but he didn't really catch it properly and it went straight into Wilson's hands and I think Patterson got one and I thought oh here we go here comes the goal yeah. from Patterson the, here comes the inevitable yeah here comes the usual Patterson goal at the Rico slash CBS <laughs> to be fair I had him and um Panzo scoring on my bet yeah I, I, I had them both to score any time like 125 to one I was like when Panzo went in I was going Oh my God! It's actually, actually going to happen. Yeah. It's actually going to happen. Christmas has come early. Yeah. You could you could see him getting a goal because he had. But well, he had that pop shot, didn't he, in the first half? Which yeah. Was really well blocked because I think that was flying into the bottom corner. Yeah, there was one. Was that the one? With, I think one that was like cleared almost like off the line. I think yeah. was it Doyle or someone who yeah, blocked like that, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. It was it was cleanly struck. Actually, it was a bit like Mbappe's. Apart from it wasn't a across the goal it had sort of come to me set it and then hit yeah. it but i think if we didn't get in the way of it that was fine in the the bottom corner if i'm honest but yeah it was um it was a well-deserved lead at half time and then i said to my dad if we can get a couple of goals which i felt we could i said we can really take this game away from them and the sting out of it but because <laughs> they weren't showing any threat because you know yeah. you were probably right in that mindset because once we get two or three you think well that's it game over because if we just continue to play the way we have for this past 65 yeah. minutes, which has caused them so many problems and they couldn't get through us. Definitely. Then you think we see the game out, but something switched. I don't know. I don't really know why that happened. If, if I'm being honest, when we went 3-0, I turned to my dad and I said, I said, the worst thing we can do now 
is try and off. play and try and sit as a back five rather yeah. than wing backs. Alan took in and us try and play in the middle of the park. I said that's going to completely play into their hands because they made subs off both of our goals that we scored because they knew they had to react. And I remember saying to my dad, like, if we keep doing this, I remember the Ben Wilson, for some reason, when it was 3-0, just seemed to want to roll it out at every opportunity yeah. in dangerous areas, start passing it to danger. And I was thinking, we've literally got a big six foot two Swedish powerhouse <laughs> in the channels. Why are we choosing to play this way when we're 3-0 up? And they also pushed 10, 10 yards further up the pitch yeah. as and well. I just thought, why are we not turning them in behind? Why are we not causing them problems where we have been all game, which would then allow us to get further up the pitch? It was almost like we just... I said it to my dad in the end, we may as well just kick it to them and say, come and bombard our goal, because yeah. that's how it felt. It almost felt like from when that first goal went in that we'd give to them, it was like... Oh no! What what do we do now? We had we had no there was no leadership for... there was then someone to say grab me by the scuff of the neck and say guys what are we doing here? Yeah, you didn't see anyone kind of say clapping and going come on you know yeah. raise your game. It was almost like everyone just kind of sheaf was huffing and puffing. Hamer was just having a bit of a stinker in the middle. O'Hare was kind of a bit lost. Jokeres was thinking why am I not getting the ball at this point with three nil up? The wing backs were almost virtually centre backs. They were that close to the other three. We had four centre midfielders on at one point. Yeah, it was. It was just so crammed. There was I didn't see what we were going to do to get out of the predicament we were in because they yeah. were just allowed to come so far up the pitch. And I suppose just... that that changed with with Joe Allen, didn't it? Once once Joe Allen yeah. came onto the pitch, it gave them a pivot, and then everyone else, including Grimes, who from then on really controlled the game, allowed them to get 10, 10 yards up further in yeah. the pitch, yeah. open up the space. He controlled the game, and you know we didn't really have a say in the rest of that match at all. We didn't even create a chance from, you know, from us conceding the goal, basically. Yeah, I think I think the only one we had was that one where Jokerez ran through, wasn't it, right? Like, he was by the um, the byline and he sort of hit it across the goal and they cleared yeah. it. But far that, we just had no, no threat. And I think it does come down to a bit of squad depth. I mean, I was listening to the radio and stuff. I never normally listen to that. But oh, I was God, you put yourself through that. Jesus. People were people were saying, why did he not bring on subs? And I did think, oh, he could have maybe brought on Palmer or someone at some point, you know, just to freshen it up. But Robin's pretty much said, he said, I've got 14 or 13 fit players. So that's the that's the outfield 11 <laughs> plus Simon Moore. And then two players were We could have stuck Simon Moore up, up, up top. <laughs> we may as well. Have. We're, we're virtually at the stage where our hands are tied. And I mean, I'm not one to slag off players, but... I've said from day dot, Todd Kane's not really been in the picture, but every time he's brought him on, Blackpool and yesterday, it's just last chance saloon. And yeah. for me, that is just Robbins saying to Sisu. I tweeted it earlier on. I said, this is Robbins when he brings on Todd Kane saying a middle finger to Sisu, basically. This is the squad depth I've got and what I have to deal with in these type of situations. I don't have Joe Allen. I don't have Ollie Cooper or Cullen or these players to bring off the bench. I've got Todd Kane, who is on £10,000 a week, who literally wasn't even playing for us at the start of the season. But we now have to because we're that thin in squad depth. So, But does that, that say a lot about the, like the youth system as well? Because you know, you'd put some trust into, you know, some of those fringe players in the, in the youth team, or has he set everybody out on loan that, you know, he potentially wants to use in, in the future? Yeah, well, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, with you can see what happens when you play youth, though, when you rely on them. It can it can pay off with Eccles, but if you run them into the ground, they get injured, and he's out for two months now, just like McFadden is. So 
Burroughs is, is going to be exactly the same. We can rely on Burroughs, but he's never played this level of football before. So if we want him to play Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever games we're playing, game after game, his legs are going to be gone because he's going to have no recovery time. We're not a club that can allow recovery time because of our start to the season with the ground and all the stuff that's happened in the World Cup in this season. Our squad depth is basically nil. We have no squad depth. So we're literally relying on these players that come in. It's not come in for two games and do a job and then you can have a break. It's literally if you're in you're, the team, you're you playing have to every play game. every single game. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Robbins has alluded to so many times that it kills us. And you can quite obviously see in certain games, we've not able, been able to get through it. I really believe if we'd have had squad depth at 3-1, he would have made a change instantly and he'd have reacted. But he's looking at his bench and thinking, who do I bring on? Waghorn. Waghorn's not going to be able to see out the game for us. Do you know what I mean? He, he would maybe bring a bit of leadership, but then he has to sacrifice a midfielder for a striker, which leaves us more open. So he looked at it in terms of, does he believe that the team out there can hold on that he had? And he probably thought, I've got to trust them and that they let him down in that moment and conceded three abysmal goals in my opinion they were none of their goals were remotely good it was just all our own undoing and yeah. all of our own faults and it was just one of their moments you just stand there and think how have we blown a three nil <laughs> lead at home <laughs> it's so calm isn't it you you kind of alluded to it there um with Mark Robbins obviously the the squad thing is an issue for him we know that but Massively. do you think his sort of game management seems to be a particular area of where he struggles as a manager, do you feel? It seems to be something that crops up on this podcast quite a bit. I, to, you, you can argue sometimes he's reluctant to make subs, and I've said, why does he not change it? But to be honest with you, it, it comes down to the squad we've got. And if he could turn to his bench, like I said yesterday, you, you've got players, on, you've got Joe Allen sitting on the bench. If Robbins had someone of Joe Allen's calibre, you you bring him on. I mean, I don't really think he wanted to bring on Liam Kelly no, yesterday, I'm being honest. He, he made that sub at 3-2 just to put someone who could talk on there because no one was talking. You could quite evidently see that. I know people said, oh, if we'd have had McFadston, it would have been a different game. But if I had a million pounds, I'd be a millionaire. We didn't have McFadston. We were 3-0 up without him. So, And they were running through our midfield the entire game, pretty much. They were finding those through Grimes and Joe Allen just literally dropping a centre-halves almost, playing in that 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 way that we've seen teams at a high level do, your Man Cities, etc. It was almost like a championship version of that. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of when we played Norwich at the start of the season, when they were just literally dropping into those two number sixes, picking it up and just literally playing directly through us in the middle. And all game, I think it was that um, Nacham was getting on the ball, Patterson... Anyone who come on that was in that pocket, um, Russell, Russell Martin must have said to them, you, you can get in the lines here easily. Yeah. And you, you can also double up on everybody as well because yeah. every time they had the ball, when they put the ball into someone else's feet, there was another player within five five to ten yards and the pass was yeah. on straight away. It was Whereas with us, it was we'd get someone and it bang, they were in us straight away. There was, yeah. no, there was no time to think. And I, I, I don't understand our thinking in why did we not just sit 
and press them, but just cut off the channels in the middle of the pitch and make them come forward and play it out wide and use to our advantage us Those having extra men. backs. Yeah. And I'd rather their centre-backs be dribbling forward with it as far as they can up to the penalty spot and losing it than rather than us sitting that back off that they're allowing our their sixes to get on the ball, play it and play in between the lines because it just killed us. If we'd have moved 10 or 15 yards further up the pitch, we'd have been we'd have been much better and we'd have probably won the ball back a few well, that's, times. Well, that's, that's what we did for 65 minutes. You yeah. know, the game plan was let them enjoy the possession, but when they inevitably make a mistake going out wide, because, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're Swansea and they're not prime Barcelona, then yeah. we pounced on them. And the chances yeah. we created in that first half, we got 10 chances in that first half. Yeah, we were cutting through. They them. all came through them losing the ball, them making a mistake, us pressing hard, and then we, you know, the chance came. And for some reason, after sixty-five minutes, three and a lot, we thought obviously must have thought game's over here. This is yeah. done and dusted. Let's just sit and hold what we've got. But we just took our foot off the gas, and you can't do that at this level at, at any point. Yeah, I think. Like you said, it was. I said to my dad, it, it's just, I know you can't pick your times to score, but it would have been interesting if we'd have scored our third goal a little bit later, would that have changed our mentality? But I think because almost we'd got it so quickly, I don't even think our players actually believed how quickly we were 3-0 up. So I don't think they expected to be that many because I don't think we've actually scored three goals yeah. in a home game or have we scored three goals at all this season? I don't think so. In a game, so. I don't think we have, no. I don't think we have scored three goals. I think the max we've scored is about two. So we've scored three goals and you could almost tell it was like, what do we do now? Because normally when it's 2-0, you've still got something to hang on for, but you still go for the third. But we had it that quickly. It was almost like, oh, well, we'll just sit back now then and sit in as a bank of four. But our thinking behind it was totally wrong because we were sitting in, but on the same token, Ben Wilson was getting it and rolling it to Gus Hamer in our, by our, basically by our penalty box. And really quickly as well. Yeah, quickly a lot. And when he's got four players around him and I'm stood there thinking, why are we doing that? Why are you not just hitting it into the channels, yeah. the Dockeres, even if it goes out for a throw-in to them? We've relieved the pressure. Group and we can relieve the pressure. Why are we playing into their hands? Russell Martin must, must literally have stood there and gone, Brilliant. Yeah, He's thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. And Robbins must have just been thinking, what on earth is going on? Because I couldn't believe how naive we were in that moment. It was actually quite staggering how naively poor we were. And I think Swansea fans must have been looking, thinking, why are they playing like this when they're 3-0 <laughs> up? Because we got spanked at their place last year and I went. And they did not play like that. No. I remember we really put them under pressure. And when we put them under pressure, they were the total opposite to that. They just did everything they could to relieve the pressure. Whereas we seem to be like, here you go, have the ball and just come on to us and see what you can do. It was... Well, you, you saw that in the Reading game, didn't you? Because we were putting them under so much pressure, Reading. Yeah. And they were just clearing the, the lines and, you know, Carroll was, you know, miscontrolling the ball effectively trying to relieve the pressure and we put them under and they, they make a mistake and we get the ball again. Yeah. And like, it's not it, rocket science. Yeah, and but the, there you go. You alluded to the difference is that when we put someone under pressure, we don't score. But whenever we seem to get put under pressure, teams score and they take their chances. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls for us. We're a very good team, but we're naive and we're also not ruthless enough at times. I think that's two areas that if we if we shaped up how we were in both boxes in crucial moments and in games, we would be where 
your Blackburns, Sheffield Uniteds, and and teams like that are like I looked at Blackburn yesterday, and I don't think they I think we, they were poor against us. Yeah. And on that day, we were much better, but they went to Norwich and won two 0 yeah. I looked at that and I thought we I don't think we'd have the the balls or the caliber to go and do that. I don't think we I think we'd be naive in a moment like that. And I think that's where you you take over and Robin's being backed is so important because I think he knows for us to advance to the next step now as a club, we have to go from being just this good team who plays good in moments and gets good results to we go away and we stop being naive and stop being silly in crucial moments of games. Show that consistency. And show that consistency. Because I really think now that that is going to kill the players going into Christmas now. I, I seriously worry for West Brom on on Wednesday now, because I'd have rather have us lost 1-0 and got battered yesterday than be 3-0 up and throw away a league, because that almost it is feels a loss. Like a defeat. The, the yeah. players are going to be devastated, and they know the fans are going to be on their case now. And there wasn't a big crowd yesterday. No one was really singing. It was a flat crowd, and they know to, to get them back up, they've got to do something... Performance, get, yeah. yeah, they've got to, they've got to perform. So there's more pressure on them now. So I I think it could either work in our favour, but being a cob fan, you know, it could really really kill yeah. us. To be honest with you, and I'm 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 a bit nervous now for Wednesday. If I'm honest, I'm I'm not. I, I fancied us a little bit before. I thought we're at home. It's a local derby. We we can take it to them. But I really think the pressure is is on us now, especially after throwing that three goal lead away, because the fans are still going to be edgy and annoyed on Wednesday from what happened on Saturday because I got home and I still couldn't quite believe that we'd actually messed it up. I thought, was I dreaming there or did we actually (laughs) just, did we do that? Like, did that actually happen? (laughs) But we'll see what happens, mate. But yeah. Well, um, we'll we'll definitely look into sort of the games over the Christmas period in a little bit more detail later on. But there are a few things I just want to sort of hoover up from this Swansea game. Uh, More positives than, than negatives. I thought the goals we scored were fantastic. It's great to see us scoring from a set piece for for a change rather than conceding from a set yeah. piece like yeah. um, like last week. And then the second and third goals, the third goal in particular was was sublime. Um, it's it's definitely a contender for goal of the season. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I think the um the first guy, like you see, we actually looked quite threatening from set pieces in general yesterday. I think there was a couple that we had where um. The ball was going across the, especially in the first half, it went across the face of the goal. Callum Doyle did one, didn't he? Worked straight yeah. across, yeah. And he was really annoyed that no one picked no up one on, gambled yeah. and got on the end of it. Like he literally fizzed it. I mean, I thought the first half he was brilliant. Yeah, like, prime Beckenbauer, wasn't it? With some of the passive range. That pass that he made. I mean, people around me sort of went, and I went to my dad. I went, are people? not going to appreciate how, how good, good that, that was, pass yeah. was. That was literally like a centre midfielder in the Premier League just laying that through for someone. Like That is a young 19-year-old centre-half for Coventry playing that pass. Like, that was yeah. ridiculous. Like, so out of place at that level. Yeah, to see that and play it the way that he did, it's, it, it, it was sublime. And I thought he, he was he did play quite well. Obviously, he was just a bit naive towards the end, but you can't just blame it on him. It was the, ho- it was the whole team in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the goals, I thought we were a threat from set pieces anyway. And like we said, Panzo was due due a goal anyway, in my opinion, for a while. He's been due one and he's he's played quite well. I thought in the first half until 60 minutes, he was really good again yesterday. But then it, as soon as that first goal went in, it just shifted the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the the second goal, <laughs> I've been a big critic of Jamie Allen. I think he's, he's a decent player. Um, he runs around a lot. 
he's got a couple of goals now, which is good to him. But he had a shot in the first half. I think it was oh, a and he spooned it. And I text one of my mates because we always say he, he is a BTEC Calamo hair. They both, <laughs> honestly, I think I've seen under 10s kick a ball harder than yeah. their goals sometimes. They have no... And with better accuracy as well. Yeah, they, they, they have no shot power at all half the time that you see them shoot. It always just trickles to the goalie. Um, so to see Alan actually pick one out of... Uh, to be fair, he didn't actually hit this one with any venom. It was yeah, just it was really just well placed, placed, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. it, yeah. It was, it, was with, it was accuracy and it just got that... It was, it was the curve that took it away from the goalie and it was... I, I couldn't quite believe he'd done it, to be honest. On first glance, I thought it was a deflection because I thought yeah. the only way that Jamie Allen's doing that is by a deflection, the surely. The only way he's doing that, surely, is, is by a deflection. Yeah, but it was it was a brilliant goal and when you saw the replay, I thought, fair play to him. He, hopefully, he starts to shoot a bit more now and it gives him a bit more confidence. Once well, that's something we've asked goal. for ages, though, isn't it? Goals yeah, from shoot. midfield. Yeah, Have shoot. a go. Just shoot. I hate when we get it and we we manipulate a situation and then we do a, a ball and overplay it and it goes out for a goal kick. I think, why would you not just have a shot when we have yeah. players who can shoot? You've got Hamer, who still doesn't shoot enough, even though he got one against Wigan earlier on in the you season. You just never, never know when you're going to get that deflection because you know, how many times has it happened against us? Yeah, all the time. Every every game you go to, you'll see something that deflects or goes in an opposition's favour against us. And all we ask for is fans. We don't want you to overplay it sometimes. Just literally take, even if you sky it, you've had an attempt on goal. We're no. happy with that. You're shooting at the goal. And then the third goal that we scored, I mean, like you said, it was... It, it, at first, I didn't really know what Ben Wilson was doing again. I mean, he worries me at times when he starts to play from the back because he's not that type of goalkeeper, but he's obviously encouraged to do it because of the way we play in modern football. You have to use your goalies now. It's something that's coming more into the game, especially at the higher level of the game. So he, he obviously played a good pass into the smallest player on the pitch, which also <laughs> worried me at the time. And the smallest space as well. Yeah, and the smallest space. And I thought, well, what are we doing with this? And then suddenly it went from... Front to back really quickly, didn't it? And I, I've actually... If you watch the video, I think Cov Goals put it up on Twitter. And um, when we scored the goal, Callum Doyle turns to Ben Wilson and like basically said something to him. So I don't know whether they picked up on something in certain situations. Swansea might leave gaps in that area of the pitch. So if we could get the right pass, we could exploit it because he turns to him and almost says, like, there it is. You, you did it. There's the one that we yeah. were looking for. So I don't know whether that was something we'd actually spoken about or worked on before. And then obviously O'Hare headed it down. It was a great one touch um, pass by Hamer into Allen. Then from Allen, great pass into O'Hare. O'Hare got it. And I thought sometimes in those moments, he can be a bit indecisive, but he played a lovely through ball. Vic obviously got it. It was like, is he going to mess this up? What's he going to do? But he just kept his composure. Just and it rampaging hit the post. through. Yeah, and then it hit the post. I thought, no, it's going to bounce out. And then once it went into that other side of the net, it's yeah. like, yes. And I think from that moment, we all thought... It kind of happened in slow motion, though. I yeah. think when, when Vic got the ball, he sort of yeah. rampaged through. And then yeah. you just didn't know what was going to happen because he sort yeah. of took the ball away from the goal. You yeah. thought, well, what's going on here? And then yeah. obviously puts it in, hits that post. You're thinking, ah... Oh. And then oh, bang, yeah, it goes yeah, in. It was, it was, it was, it was a very much a oh, ah, oh, yeah moment, wasn't it? It was not, a, it wasn't a, a precise yes moment. It was a very oh ah moment. And luckily, like you said, it, it capped off a, a great goal. Obviously, that's put him in in double figures, figures now. Yeah, um, top goal scorer in the league as well. So, Vic, the, if you uh, listen to this, mate, please, can you stop scoring for a little bit? <laughs> and Vic, if you are listening to this, do you want to come on to an episode and we'll have a chat? Yeah. That'd be nice as well. <laughs> yeah, the, you know the the vultures will start circling, won't they? And and we're in a very 
indifferent scenario, I would say, because it all depends on this Doug King takeover now and how much funds are going to be available. Because you think one of the first things, if there are funds available, you need to tie Vic up to another year. Um, but, you know, there's, there's probably going to be some pretty big offers coming in in January. You, you look at the likes of, you know, Southampton, Everton, they're in a pretty dire situation in the Premier League and they'll just throw cash at what they would yeah. hope or want, want to try and keep them in the division and maybe I think is what they need for that. He, people have said he's bought up this year. I think he has. I mean, in the summer, there'll be... I remember I've done twi- um, spaces on Twitter and I said I would I would wanted to let him go the most out of the three as I thought he was the most replaceable because last year he was good, but he was also poor in a lot of moments. Yeah. And I used to get really frustrated with him, but he's actually improved It was, de- that a it was lot. a decision-making, wasn't it, yeah, last year? And, was, and I think this yeah. year's a little bit... It's still, it's still not all there, but not, you know that comes with yeah, time, I, I suspect. And he also he feels more of a threat in in games now when he hasn't got the ball it almost felt like it had to get to him before yeah. for it to be a, a to, to be a threat whereas now he doesn't have to have it and he's an instant threat and i There's think a target on his back straight away from defensive yeah, and they're scared and teams, teams notice and, and the thing i like about him i think it was yesterday um i think it was cabango for them ben cabango the center back he was pulling gokarez for the first half an hour um, and he did one where he kind of went over him and grabbed him from behind and he started complaining to the ref and gokarez went um did basically did something to him where he was like he was like and then went like that as if to say like shut up mate like yeah. you know what you've just done and then he said something back and gokarez went ah in his face <laughs> like, you know, he's he's got that more oomph to his game this year whereas yeah. sometimes last year he'd go hiding if that bit more streetwise he's a bit more streetwise this year and you've just alluded to it the vultures are going to be coming because people said well what if he's a one season wonder what if he only got nearly 20 goals for coventry and what but realistically we could be sitting by january the, the first for example when we play bristol at home and he's got west brom sheffield united and, and Cardiff, Cardiff two home play. games. He could he, he could score two in either of those. Get he could be on he could be on eleven, twelve, he'd be on fifteen goals he by could, that point. Yeah, yeah. Score. So he's already five goals away. If he gets let's say he gets to fourteen, he's only six goals, five goals away from equaling what he did last year in half the season. So people are naturally going to be circling around him. But I've said I think for his career, for us and his career. He's much better off staying and doing another full season with us. And then regardless of whether we're playoffs, don't get playoffs, we go up, whatever happens with us, then we move him on at the end of the season because I think we'll get more money. But like you've alluded to, we need to make give him a new contract and we need to boost his wage up for give him an extra £10,000 for six months, get him another year, and then it means we can get more money for him and we yeah. can say to him, look, sign this with us, try and help us get up if you don't, regardless of what happens, we'll get a good bid in the summer. And if you want to leave, you can leave, basically, and you can make your decision from there. And I think that was what would be best for both parties, because I don't want to see him go. I mean, you see Burnley fans on Twitter. I mean, yes, they've probably got money to buy him, but Premier League clubs are going to be after him. So if he's going to move, he's just because they're there. top of the league, he's not going to, he could get promoted with us from the Premier League. So it, 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 doesn't, make any, it doesn't make any difference to him. If he's going to go... He's going to want to go for Premier League football now, not in six months' time. So I think if we do let him go in January, it would be disappointing. But you can never say never. But Mr. 
Mr. King of Kings has promised us that we're not going to be selling anyone and that it's going to be gold, it, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, we're going yeah. to Robbins is going to have a bit of bit of pot of money to play with, and it's going to be like Monopoly in January, which I'm sure a lot of cough fans believe. No, said actual, actual Monopoly money, I think yeah, that's what he's alluding to. Yeah, no, literally money. Monopoly money. I mean, I, I don't know, Dean. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so up and down. I mean. You'd have thought when we had the World Cup, I thought finally a break from Cov for a month like after this season. And it just hasn't been a break, has it? There's been so much going on in the background during this World Cup. I think we're the only club that's actually had a problem going on during the World Cup and probably could be the only club that would be in that position. I think to be fair, though, I mean, me and Dave had a real big rant last week. It was a good half an hour rant about the off-field situation, but... Even in this week alone, things are looking a little bit more rosier now. You know, Body's program yeah. notes yesterday said the takeover is close to being ratified. As as far as I know, it's pretty much done from what I hear. So that's going to help. You know, that will keep a certain drinks manufacturer quiet and hopefully into obscurity yeah. in the future. And yeah. then uh, the stock situation with the club shop, that's a really good uh, good thing to happen this side of Christmas, obviously. And then, obviously, the deal with the CBS, that gives us some security at least to the end of the campaign. So things are off the pitch, I think, are on the up again, which which helps. I think the big thing for me um, is we can get a new owner and we can we not have CISO anymore, which is fantastic, but we're still no better off with the stadium than we were before. We're in exactly the same position. Yes, Wasps have gone. They're still only round the corner, though, which in the back of my mind still worries me and thinks that in a A bit too close for my... There's there's something still a little bit fishy about that, and I'm not too sure why have they gone to Solihull Moors. So that's in the back of my mind. I think it was on the basis the RFU said they had to stay in the local area for at least (laughs) two seasons. But, you know... If they get back up, you, 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 it, it would just be our luck. So I'm never going to say never to them them coming back. And Ashley's a businessman at the end of the day, isn't he? And yeah. that's, what, that's what worries me. I think, I know a lot of Cov fans say, oh, I don't want Mike Ashley in charge of Coventry. You know, I don't, I don't want him anywhere near. But you've got to remember, yes, Newcastle fans slagged him off. Yes, Newcastle fans didn't like him. But he bought players in there. He spent £300 football. million pounds in 10 he seasons. Bought, he bought Joel Linton for nearly £50 million. Pounds. If we signed a player for £50 million, pounds, I think I'd run up and down my street naked. <laughs> <laughs> we, and we, no we, one wants to see that. Yeah, and nobody <laughs> wants to see me doing that. They would be scarred for life. So I think we. I've lived in a time of being a Cov fan since I was a boy where I've been bought up and... I've only ever seen us spend three million, a million pounds, sorry, three times. Freddie Eastwood, Gustavo Hamer, and Victor Jokerez. But I don't even think Jokerez was a million. I think it was just under a million. So we've yeah. only actually technically done it twice. So you look at that and you think we're moaning about Mike Ashley, who, yeah, he's got his faults, but he's pretty much a billionaire. He now owns our stadium. If he was to come and take us over, that would be nothing but positive for me as as a Coventry fan because I've said it all along. He didn't invest in Newcastle as much as how much he has done for the city of Coventry in general. He's got a flannels in our city centre. He's got Sports Direct. He's also got a new bit of building near the flannels where he's doing some work. Well, the whole of the Fraser's group HQ is moving here. Yeah, but everything's moving here. So I think that in general says what 
he wants to do for the area, whereas in Newcastle, he didn't have anything. He had nothing else to invest in. It was just the club. And also, the Newcastle fans think, to be honest, I think they think they're better than what they are. But they wanted they, to their be expectations the level of are. and your Liverpools, and they yeah. wanted to be getting three, four hundred million pounds spent. That was why they thought he was a rubbish owner. But he spent a lot of money, more than what you know. I, I personally think if Coventry were to get to the Premier League, he would spend eighty to hundred million pound on players. I really do think that he would. And, and he's got me into a position where. Newcastle are now the richest club in yeah. the world. He he basically made a massive profit off them, kept them in the Premier. I mean, I know they had their their time where they went down, but they pretty much went straight back. Yeah, up. yeah. But he was still there. Yeah, I remember when they played against Cobb at the Rico, and he was still there. And they had lots like Shola Ramiobi and players <laughs> like that in their team, and they they just. But Andy Carroll probably played, didn't he? Yeah, Andy, I, think, I think he might have done. They they had all these players that were this great level, and they just went straight back up and won the league anyway. And I think they had Benitez in charge, didn't Kevin, they? No, Kevin Nolan, maybe. Yeah, and they had Kev- well. yeah, they they had loads of loads of players in their time. They weren't down there for long, but again, we as Coventry fans, we don't look at ourselves as. Man City level and this type. We just want to be a sustainable football club who owns our ground and an owner, almost like a Brentford model, who will go and spend 20, 30 million on a player in the Premier League and we can develop them and sell them on for more in years yeah. to come and keep working. Well, that's where I want to see my football club at. So for me, my Cassidy coming in, I have no qualms and that would be... The, the the cherry on top of the cake, if I'm honest with you. I and think I, I think that's I've I mean I've alluded to it quite a bit. I think that will eventually happen, but it's how we get there. I really hope you're right because I've had numerous debates about this, and I, I just I I really don't see it. I just think it's our luck that we're going to have this Doug King guy come in. He might give Robbins a little bit of money. We're going to have the same problems with the stadium going forwards. You can just see it already that they're going to change terms and conditions at the end of the season. Someone's not going to like it. It's going to be businessman versus Mike Ashley. CISA was still a little bit involved by owning 15%, so they're going to have something to say about it. And, it, and it, I just think it could turn nasty at the end of the season. But I really hope as the season goes on, Doug King gets approved as the owner and Ashley at some point just thinks, you know what, I'm going to sweep up and, and buy the club as well and, and get them playing here. That would be... That would be the perfect scenario. And I, I have no so doubt happy. it'll get nasty. It'll yeah. get nasty 100%, but it, it'll be sort of a slow process. He'll buy 5%, and then he'll buy another 5%, then he'll buy Cease's 15%, and then slowly but surely worm his way in. If. But I think to get to that position, I think I, I think we'll go backwards rather than forwards to begin with. Yeah. And that might not mean that we'll get relegated from the division. I just don't think we'll get the sort of investment that will take us further up this division i think we'll stay in the division with you know the squad we have but inevitably you know it'll be a slow burner we'll get to a position where i think mike ashley will will own this football club but i think it'll be four or five years to get there if if he if he buys us i owe you a pint <laughs> okay we'll leave it there. that's the deal we'll shake on that right now we'll we'll get we'll give a shake on it if, if, if ashley buys us i owe you a pint because I think for the, going back to Doug King, I think that the key thing for him in January, if he has any integrity or he has any clue or wants to make a statement to someone like me as a fan... Has to spend money. Has to make and, money and available. It's not, and it's not just that. It's Tyler Walker, adios. Todd Kane, adios. 
these players who are taking, I mean, I was speaking to CJ about it on the phone. Um, people probably know CJ. I think most Coventry fans do, obviously, on Twitter. Um, I, I work with him. And he, we were saying on the phone, he rang me yesterday and he said to me, Todd Kane is probably on about £10,000 a week. Tyler Walker is on roughly the same. That's £80,000 out of our football club a month, not over a year, a month that goes on Players those on the two precipice, footballers yeah. who don't even scratch our first team. That alone tells you everything that is wrong currently with our team. And for us to have investment, it's no point in just going and buying loads of players. We need to get rid of these players. And some people may or may not disagree. I think Leon Kelly is another one that we need to look at in that scenario. He's been a great servant for He'll the He'll be court. out of contract in the summer. I don't think he's out of contract in the summer. Year. It, it, he's too injury prone. Another one as well. I absolutely love him. I think he's been great for us. But Matty Godden, I think yeah. the wage that he takes, the amount he actually plays throughout a season, could we find someone for our level of where we want to be who would get more productivity out of over the course of a season yes we could and could we get money for Matty Godden yes we could because there'd be league one league two and probably low-end championship clubs who would pay money because they know that Godden would come in and score probably 10 12 15 goals with the right service for them are you saying we've got passengers at this football club well, yeah, I've, we have, Dean. I mean, surprisingly, <laughs> we do have passengers at this football club. And we are a very, very sentimental football club because we never have anything. As a fan base as well. Yeah, as a fan base. And we never have anything to cling on to, which is the problem. So the minute we do, we're like a child with a teddy bear who just does not want to let go for the rest of its life. And we need to understand that to move on and progress these players have to be moved on. And we're at a point now where if we want to be this pushing for playoffs team, you cannot have passengers throughout a season. You have to have a squad of players who are fit, who you can rotate. And if Robbins is given those tools with the current squad we've got, we could seriously challenge for the playoffs quite easily. But we lack in, we lack in certain areas and passengers are a big, big problem of that. I think when you say that, I mean, I look at a lot of championship teams and I know a lot of their squads, but there, are, there aren't many teams that are in the same predicament we're in, yeah, I would say. <laughs> maybe there's four or five, you know, yeah. you, you, maybe your likes of Blackpool, Huddersfield, your Cardiffs, Rotherham, maybe Birmingham don't have that squad depth, whereas everybody else has you know, 16, 17 players they could choose from and any of them can play. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't even put Birmingham in there. I think they've got better squad depth than we have. I mean, they've paid like three million for Chong, didn't they, or something like that. I mean, they've they've got, they've spent, I've, I've actually worked this out before at the start of the season. We didn't have the lowest net spend overall. I mean, how, how net spend obviously works, you can either do that on transfers or the actual overall worth of what you've bought into your football club, so what the player's value is. So that's free agents, etc. And we were, I think, second or third bottom, including Adaramola. Now, you take Adaramola out of that. We have the bottom in the whole division squad worth net spend. I think it was about 2.45 million. It's not a even, lot, yeah. Even Rotherham and Wigan, who have just come up, have a better overall spend than we do. And we've been in this division for nearly three years now. And we're spending that amount. That tells you everything you need to know and what we're working with. 
and we are not in a position to be having and carrying passengers. And we're at that point now in January where big decisions as a football club have to be made and we have to take the gamble. Because if we don't, I think we could really sorely regret it because we will probably lose a few players at the end of the season who will want to move on. And we have to, for them to stay, some of them at least, we have to show the intent of that we're going to the next level. Because at least if we get in the playoffs, even if we don't go up, those players know they're at a playoff challenging football club. If we don't make it and we finish 12th, 13th, 14th, we're in exactly the same position again and everyone will know what it was down to and it was lack of investment and lack of squad depth and carrying passengers. And that is the point, in my opinion, where we're at now that it has to flip the switch and we have to change that for us to advance at any, at any given moment, really. And it will be interesting to see whether Doug King is a man of his words and will do that for us as a football club. Well, it'll come down forward. to his investment, won't it? And then obviously yeah. we've now got a new head of recruitment, uh, Dean Austin, who's came in to the club after Chris Badland and Stuart Bentham have, have left. Great name, Dean Austin. Uh, I just have to point that out. But a lot's going to be on him. But has he had the time now to, to come in? You know, we're very close to January. You would hope that work has been done already to identify targets, etc. But... There's a lot of pressure on him now. And, you know, we look at the, the work Chris and Stuart have done over the years. Okay, they've made mistakes in, in certain places, your Hilsners, etc. But they've also brought in the gems as well. So there's a lot of pressure on Dean Austin in that new position. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know too much about him. I'd, I'd like to think that if we brought someone of his calibre in and where he's been and what he's done, um, I think it's pretty much a case of that we know our recruitment policy he will be brought to speed with that very quickly. I just think that we needed a new direction because if you look at what we do as a football club, Gokarez, Barrow Hare, Dabo, Jokarez, um, Hamer, Sheaf. Um, I mean, but let's say Bar, Sheaf and O'Hare, a lot of our players come from overseas and with this new Brexit thing of the permit where we missed out on that player at the start yeah I think our module has been completely killed because we couldn't do what we were and I think that was where we needed to kind of draw the line and, we, and every club needs to change and if I'm honest you've said you've alluded to it there we've bought in some gems but we've had some absolute mad players yeah. Castanier, Jabello. Hills now. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever seen him put a cough shirt on, and he's and he's a player for us. Do you know what I mean? We've we've had some absolute. He was disaster. in the team photo at the start of the year, so he yeah, has he, put a shirt on. He, he has put a shirt on for the team photo, but bar that, no one's seen him. We've we've had these players. I mean, and it's it's a difficult one because, and also as well. I mean, you look at players like Liam Walsh and those type of players that we've had over the years we were never able to convert them any further. The same yeah. with Matt, Matty James as well. When we had him in that first season, we we had them, but then our recruitment system let them go and move on to other clubs. And I think that's where we needed to change. So I'm hoping really that from what reading what Robbins has said, it's pretty much a case of they know what they want and need, but he will just have different ideas and different views of how to do things. But he will probably also know from what I've seen of him and what people have said, he knows quite a few people in the game. So if he has links to other clubs, that could potentially help us with loan signings, 
things like that. I mean, out some of our loans, I mean, Adaramola was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I don't think Crystal Palace will ever loan a supplier again in their no. history. I mean, the way Very he odd. was Cheerio. a mad, but the way it was handled, their fans were absolutely fuming with us as a football club. They just said, like, how can you, you do that? So I think our relationship with them was gone as a club. So hopefully bringing in a new head of recruitment, I know he's done stuff at Tottenham and places like that before, so hopefully that might give us a, a leeway in the door with clubs like them to have some of their young loan players or talents or even players they might be letting go, for example, that we can bring in and and Robins, you know, we might not necessarily know who they are, but they could have a bit of talent and working under us and moulding into our way in the year or two's time, they could turn into players that we are very well known about and speaking about like your O'Hares and your Yokerezes and players like that. So I think... It's interesting bringing him him in, but he will know himself, Austin, that this window for us is massive, and I think him joining now shows to me that he's ready for the for the challenge, or else he probably would have just sat out and waited till the end of the January transfer window and then chose to come in, um, because he didn't need to join now. Realistically, he could have said, "I'll join," but I'll join in my own time. But him joining that quickly shows to me that they've spoke about things and they've they've put their intent out from both points of view and they know what needs to be done and obviously again alluding back to Doug King he must have spoken to both of them and said look you know what what is your plans and they've said this this and this how much have we got etc what are we working with and hopefully if it does go through they will then know themselves what they are going to be working with and what they can go for as soon as that January transfer windows open after the Bristol City game we can just attack that window and, and get some recruitments in because we need bodies <laughs> massively it's, of- it's such a big window for us it's it's quite it's, it was it's even bigger than the last January that we didn't do anything in if I'm honest we have to sign players or we could be in big trouble in my opinion, because we could lose a lot to injury. And there's nothing to say that we won't sell because Doug King said he's not going to sell. But if he comes in and takes us over and someone bring, if someone puts in something ridiculous like 30 million for Jokerez, I don't see them saying no. No, definitely No not. matter what they say. They, they bought him for a million. So you, you, you could, however much times, whatever you are by his value of what you'd have made on him. Even Mike Ashley would probably accept that for for Jokerez because it's such a big transfer offer. So if they get one, we could be Gokerez down and injuries and suspensions. We could barely have a squad at this point. So it's so important that we recruit, but we'll see. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Ahead of that January transfer period, we've got four big games coming up for the Sky Blues. Obviously, Wednesday night versus West Brom, Sheffield United on Boxing Day. In between Christmas and New Year, at home to Cardiff, and then on New Year's Day versus Bristol City. That's four big games coming up. What are your thoughts on those? I mean, you, you kind of look at them and go, those first two games are, are pretty big against potential playoff-chasing teams like us uh, in West Brom and Sheffield United. Cardiff, who you just don't know what kind of Cardiff team's going to turn up, and then Bristol City. But three games at home, you've got to take advantage of them. Yeah, I think I've I've alluded to you to it with you already. I think the the West Brom game for me is 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 a is a sticky one now. It's also a statement game. I feel. Yeah, like. I think they're on very good form. Um, I wish our game didn't get called off of them before because we'd have probably beaten them back there. Yeah. Um, it's a different proposition now. Five five in a row, therefore. They've now. got they've got they've, they've got a very good manager. He basically nearly took Huddersfield to the Premier League last year with less resources than what he's got at West Brom. So 
they're going to be up there at the end of the season now, no doubt. They're going to basically, they're basically like a forest from last season, if yeah. I'm honest. They're going to be in and around the playoffs at the end of the season. Um, they'll be difficult. They were t- they were difficult last year. Um, they've got DK back now, which is a big problem for us. He's going to cause us endless problems. Jed Wallace, John Swift. It's not Dear. like they're a bad, they're bad squad. Like you talk about squads, like West Brom have probably got the best squad in the division for me. Grady, Grady, Dean Garner, John Swift, Jed Wallace. These are these are established championship players. Like even Carlin Grant, good striker on his day, can score goals. These players are not players who are who are messing around. This Brandon Asante Thomas they've got, his name seems to pop up a little bit with goals every now and then. They're going to be a handful, but. We also need to remember that we're a handful and we can cause them problems. And we need to not be alluded into this, what we did on Saturday of we need to, we're the home team in that game and we need to take control of the ball. It's very rare you come up against a team like Swansea who pretty much dominate the ball against every team they play. Probably Bar Burnley will be the only team they won't do it against as much. West Brom also have conceded the most goals from from counter-attacks. And sort of through and through balls this year, so and we're very two of our stronger, stronger, yeah. Strong so, so I think we need to dominate the ball a bit more, we need to put a bit more of a foot stomp on the game, so to speak, in terms of what we're, we're doing with the home team. So, we're the team with the fans as well. We need to remember that, um, and we need to not go into our shell. And if we do concede a goal. We need to we need to see a different reaction to what we did on Saturday. We can't go into our shell and just allow it to be, oh, they've scored now. Now what do we do? We need to still follow our game plan and get right after them from the minute. Like I remember against Swansea, I think at half time, what showed our intent was. I think Gokarez, when the kickoff happened, he ran straight through. Straight through, yeah. That's yeah. the type of stuff that you need to see against West front Brom to let them know. On the front foot. Yeah, that we we they're in. They need to know they're in for a game when they come to us. We can't just fold and let them get, let them know that we're we're feeling weak mentally after what happened to us because their manager is going to be saying that to them. He's going to say they're going to be fragile after that. They're going to be hurt after losing that three goal lead. Yes, they didn't lose, but it feels like a defeat. So they're going to come and want to take advantage of that. It's going to be a, hopefully a bit warmer, but still a pretty cold. Wednesday night game. It's going to be under the lights, and it's the last game before Christmas. So, I we, really we need hope... a nice present, don't we? To be yeah, fair. I'm hoping that we finish it off with a present. And if we win, the incentive is that we are, I think, two points or a point after playoffs. If we it win could that. look even better. Yeah, I mean, yesterday at we, one point, been in the playoffs. Yeah, with the win, yeah. Three nil up yesterday, we were in eighth and seventh at one point, actually. And we, if we'd have beat West Brom, we could have gone to third, I think. Yeah. Third or fourth, we could have gone to. But so that shows how stupid this league is, right? Yeah, it's so... so and now we're, we're about 14th, I think, aren't we? Yeah. Something like that. It's it's insane. But we have to make a foot stamp on the game and, and, and take it to them. And then I think going to the Sheffield United game, um, I think the key for us is Rotherham have won there, so they're not unbeatable. We also beat them earlier on in the season. Um, they are going to bombard our box with set pieces because they are so good at them. They are the best team I have seen from set pieces all season. They are ridiculously good. They've got Oliver Norwood. John Fleck will be back for that game. They've got that Undai who's just played in the World, he, he played in the World Cup, so he's going to be even better now than he was last time. Um They've got a player that I'm a really big fan of, that Am- Amadozovic, I think um, he's Yeah, the is. defender, yeah, he's the central. absolute machine of a player. Yeah, he's a he big fella, he? He, he? will be playing at a serious level in the next couple of years. But their defenders score goals as well. That's something that, 
our defenders don't do enough of. Ollie McBurney is a handful as well. He hit the post against us. They're really going to have the bit between their teeth after losing to us. And they're going to want to really put a stomping on us because last year they didn't beat us. They've not beat us in our last three games. They've played against us. So a bit I of a bogey side for them. Yeah, it was nil-nil last year at their place. Then we beat them 4-1 when we hammered them. We beat them 1-0 again this year at home. So they're really going to want to turn there because we've turned into a bit of a bogey team for them recently. Yeah. So. I think if we go there and do what Rotherham did and we actually play to our strengths and counter them, we can cause them problems like we can to any team and we could get a result. But I think our results going forward, again, all depend on this West Brom game. I think this West Brom game, if we get trounced in it and lose 2 or 3 nil, it could really kill us over the Christmas period. But if we get a point or we win... I think we we were in good stead then because I would ha- if we beat West Brom and we go to Sheffield United and get a point with Cardiff and Bristol at home, I would fancy a six points in both of them. So we could potentially be looking at a, a ten point from four game. Wow, which That's which would be, Oh yeah, we, we that would be fantastic. Could you imagine going into twenty twenty three having ten points from? But the that also changes the perspective on when we want to sign players in January because yeah. you know, players will look and go, oh, this team are in the playoffs, they're chasing we'll automatic on, promotion potentially at that point. Points, we'd be on about we'd just be on over 40, 40 points. We? Yeah, yeah. Just 40, just over 40 points. So halfway through a season, that's that's roughly where you'd, you'd want to be going like into be. the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, most playoff teams around Christmas are on 40, 42 points, so to speak. So we're roughly a playoff team heading into that stage of the season. So to be honest with you, if we could if we could pick those points up, it would be great. But it's not going to be that simple because we have to have a reaction on Keep Wednesday. Keep the positivity, Ross. We, 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 have to, we have to have a reaction. We, have, yeah, you have, we to. have to see a reaction because there's no way that we can go and be that lacklustre against the team. Because for me, West Brom are way more clinical than Swansea are. Swansea are a good team, but they're not actually that clinical. We just give them goals. West Brom, if you give them one sniff, they'll score. DK, Dean Garner, um, Jed Wallace, John Swift. We've seen these players at this level for years. Before we were even in this division, these players were doing Do it. Week it in, week level. out, yeah. Yeah, so we give them a sniff and, and they, they'll, they'll just kill us. But if we play to our strengths and we show up and we get in their faces and let them know we're the home team, we could we could, we could win the game. Let's, let's push you for a prediction on that then. West Brom, let's be positive. I'm going to go another 1-0. Okay. And then Sheffield gonna... United away? 2-2. Two, two. Okay, so that's four from six, and then you're obviously expecting the the Cardiff and Bristol games to. to I'm go hoping, in our favor. yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go for, I'd go for, I'd try, I'd try and go a six pointer in that. Bit of Christmas cheer, love to hear it. Yeah, if, if we if, if we could if we could find ourselves in that position, I think then they always say. I mean, that's one thing I want us to do. I remember last year we started off really well at home and then turned really poor. Whereas this year we seem to have been poor at the start but we're now improving and we need to keep our home form good in the second half. We need to win the majority of our home games. If we that's, want to that, that's, why, that's how, that's how you go up, isn't it? Yeah. Your home form has to be, you have to have a good home yeah. form. Has to you, be up there. You, you can't be a rollover at home. And yes, we didn't lose to Swansea. It's frustrating, but it could have been a lot worse. We still got a point out of it. It should have been three. We all know that, but if we win against West Brom, we can soon put that to bed really. And every Cov fan will, will move on past that quickly. But if we lose, then that's where it starts to become a little bit sticky, I think, for fans, because we'll look at that game and think, did it kill us? But I'm I'm praying that we've got another another Blackburn and Sheffield United in us of it being a a one nil as it's and it's a midweek game and we are 
quite good in midweek games at home as well, aren't we? We seem to turn up for them. So I'm praying that praying that we get a one nil against them. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Think fingers crossed. Uh, Ross, great to have you alongside me this evening. Where can people find you on Twitter? So my Twitter name, actually, I'm going to get it up now because normally I get this wrong because it's one of them things, you know, you don't actually know your own Twitter name. It's at Spence underscore Ross one. So it's quite a simple one. So I think most COD fans will have probably seen me and tweeting and putting stuff on um, on spaces and stuff before anyway. So um, I think um, Wardy actually added me in one of the last podcasts as well. So if you add me in this one, people should be able to find me as well. Perfect. Uh, have a great Christmas. Hopefully we'll see you. And yourself, yeah. Have a, have a good Christmas for your family and stuff. And uh, hopefully I'll see you up the, up the games and, and we'll catch up soon. Fingers crossed. And since it's the, the last episode before the festivities next week, a big Merry Christmas from all of us at SBE to, to all our listeners as well. A big thank you to the Skyblue Tavern for their support as always. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget to follow us on all the socials. Use that hashtag SBE podcast. And we'll see you next week. Play up Sky Blues. Play up Sky Blues. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.